Hi, this is Jimmy, and you're listening to Stage Door Medium. You're listening to Season 1, Episode 15, Compare and Despair, featuring Broadway's funniest and host of Josh Swallows Broadway, Josh Lehman. All right. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another week of Stage Door Medium. I hope this video or audio finds you well. Uh, I have such a special guest today. I cannot stop laughing when I'm in their presence. They are just, they're sheer joy. They're so incredibly talented. They're funny. Um, I was just saying I never have wanted to reach through the screen more and just hug somebody for like an hour. Um, please help me in welcoming Josh Lehman to to our show today. Yay. Hi, Jimmy. Thank <laughs> you for having me. I'm obsessed with you. I'm obsessed with you. Hi, Josh. Um First, I, I always love to start with just how are you? How are you handling the pandemic? How how are things? You know what? I'm okay. You might even pick up on one of my cats purring right now Aww. by my microphone. Um, so sweet. I'm doing okay. Uh, my cats have been a major force and just like love because I live alone, mm-hmm. you know? And um, so that's been helpful. Oh, wait, no, you're not. You're not going to climb up on the computer. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but a lot of this has been day by day, which I think is for everyone. Yeah. You know, um, especially in the beginning when it's like you wake up very Groundhog Day and you look outside and it's like, I guess I'll sit on the couch again. I know. I and it's, it's so funny that you use the expression day by day. I just started using that as my mantra um, since the podcast took off. Um, the readings have been really busy. Like I'm booked into going into almost April and like, it's overwhelming for me. Like you, like I'm, I'm very excited and I'm grateful, but it's also, it, there's this weird pressure that goes on me and I just have to keep going just one day at a time. You know what I mean? Just yeah. one day and, and then we'll get and through one the reading next day. And one person, but you deal with people's energies and, um, that's yeah. also exhausting. Yeah. I mean, I, I had a reading today before we hopped on the hopped on the call. And, um, you know, you, you have to learn how to compartmentalize it and go, okay, we're done with this part of the day and we're moving on. And yeah. so, well, if you're listening at home, Josh has these incredible credits to his name. So um, um, they're probably not going to be in order, but I had, so most recently you were, you were in the prom on Broadway, which I, which I've seen so a couple times and I was crushed that it, that it closed. Um, finding Neverland, Groundhog Day, hair into the woods at, at the park with there's this great shot of like Amy Adams, like in your crotch. Um, I know it's, 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 uh, uh, with God, Amy Adams, uh, Donna, Donna Murphy was in that production. Uh, you were, you were a Bach in Wicked. Um, yeah. So, uh, so many. And then, gosh, you have your own podcast that we're going to talk about your, um, we're going to talk all about Miss JB Fletcher in a little bit. Um, so I guess if we could start, how, did you always have the bug? Like, were you were you always theatrical? Did you know the arts was going to be this avenue for you? Yes. Um, <clears throat> my parents can attest to that. Ever since I was maybe like three or four, I knew that I wanted to do this. Um, it all started with San Diego Junior Theater and the Muppets. Um like the Muppets, I would put on my sister's old like dance competition outfits and force my family to watch like me in front of the TV performing along with the Muppets. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was all that I ever, ever wanted to do. 
Muppet Babies for me growing up. Or was that what was the one where you never saw Nana? Was that Muppet oh, Babies? Oh, that was Muppet Babies. Like Muppet that's, Babies. That's the big question I have. Like when I when I die one day and get to have like what did Nana look like? Like that's like going to be one of the first questions I ask. <laughs> Like, other than those striped socks, I remember that. Um, yeah, the striped socks. The socks. She's Nessa Rose. <laughs> Maybe that's Nana who it is. is freaking Nessa Rose. <laughs> was there a show that you saw growing up? Is you know, in addition to like the Muppets, like, um, was there a musical that you saw that, that you felt like you got the bug after watching that? I wish I could pinpoint one show, but uh, my mom took me to see plays at San Diego Junior Theater. Mm-hmm. In uh, the early 80s, we had uh, season tickets, front row center seats. And my mom said that, like, she would sit me down. And as soon as the show started, I was captivated from start to finish for, like, I would be able to pick up the songs in my head. And on the way to the car, I'd just be, like, belting out the songs. Um, So they knew that I had, like, a weird ear for music. And... um, yeah, so it wasn't just one specific show, but then there were so many other moments throughout my life when uh, PBS aired Into the Woods. Um, that was huge for me because I remember my family going to go see it at the Old Globe, and I was yes. too young. I had to, I had a babysitter, so I didn't get to go. But then they're like, this is what we saw. Though, I only watched Act One for years, thinking that that was the end of the play. Yeah. <laughs> and then one day I let the VCR keep going and um, then I was like, oh no, everybody dies. Okay. Great. I've seen productions where at intermission people just leave. Like they don't come back because they think, well, that was a, that was a great show. And I'm like, don't you, they didn't take bows. Don't you think something's a little funny? They said to be continued. <laughs> Any, you know, people, everybody can do into the woods and it's going to be brilliant. But that original company, mm-hmm. You can't take away what they did. No, I know. I was just, somebody had a clip of Joanna Gleason last night on their Instagram story, and I was watching it. I'm like, oh, she's so good. Um, Whenever I would get to meet those people when they came to Into the Woods, backstage at the Delacorte is very small. And we'd be doing the show outside on a four-story set with where the stage is mulch. Yeah. And it's like raining on you and raccoons are fighting. And it was like Survivor sondheim but um of course i would take a shower at the end of the show and both times that uh joanna was there and bernadette was there i walked out of the shower in a towel like half naked being like (laughs) oh hi really great to meet you and they'd be like hello (laughs) go put on clothes you know can i add was that now, were there any differences between that and the Regent production in London, or was it, for the most part, the same? It was um, <clears throat> it was pretty much the same, except the costume design was different, and I believe they messed up the set because they did the exact same set that they had in London, but they didn't take uh, the Delacorte stage dimensions into thought, yeah. I guess. And so when we got to the theater, we realized that half the audience can't see anything. <laughs> so we had to restage a lot of stuff. How did your journey to Broadway come about? I mean, was it, I know you hear so many different stories of like some people that made it easy. You know, they were there in New York for a couple of weeks and they booked a tour that turned into Broadway. And um, 
what was your experience like? Was there a lot of waiting? Well, I, I slept my way to the top, yeah, Jimmy. Net. Um, <laughs> I wish I'm having a going out of business sale over here. You know, it was long. I, I started my career in Philadelphia and doing a ton of regional theater. And um, then when I booked Wicked, I think I was 25 or 26. And then after Wicked, there was, you know, three to four years where I was working regionally and I couldn't get a Broadway job to save my life. And then uh, hair came around. I basically said no to the audition because I was like, I'm fat, I'm balding, I'm not a sexy hippie. I'm not wasting anyone's time, especially my own. And they were like, please just go in, just go in. So mm -hmm. I went in, I sang the angriest version of Joni Mitchell's River because I was so annoyed that I was there. You there. So it's just like, I wish I had a river so long. <laughs> and they were like, that was great. Can you come back and do this? Yeah. And um, <laughs> the final callback, there was about 50 people and um, it was a hippie dance off. One guy broke his knee, God bless him. Um, it was really intense. And I left that audition thinking that I didn't get it. And, um, and I just felt sort of done. I was doing children's theater in New Jersey at the time. It was winter, I hate winter. And um, I called my, my former agent and I said, I, don't think I want to do this anymore. Um, I'm done. I, I just can't do this anymore. And he called back the next day and he said, you know, I'm really sorry that you're feeling this way. Um, but hang in a little bit longer because they want you to do hair on Broadway. And my life changed. You know, I've been very lucky, um, especially with hair. I started as a swing and then in six months I took over for a role and mm -hmm. six months after that I took over for a different part and um, that was really thrilling to me. Um, you know, I'm, I'm always going to feel very indebted to Diane Paulus and um, I, I just think the world of her. I love her and um, We've gotten to work together past, you know, in other things as well. And it's, it was a really remarkable thing when you're, when you're so used to being told no and wondering what it's like to get that call, wondering, wondering what it's like to work with a director like Diane or anyone, you know, outside of my bubble, it just seemed so impossible. And, um, yeah, I just, you know, I feel like I got very fortunate with that. That's awesome. Flash forward to the prom. What was that experience like being in it? Because as an audience member, I think the last time I remember being in a theater that felt like it reverberated with that much joy was probably like Mamma Mia back in like 2004 or some, just in terms of the energy. Um, can you talk about like, how did that show come about? What was it like being a part of it nightly? Oh my God, it was heaven. It was um, one of the best experiences of my life. And uh, I remember during the very first reading of the show, just listening to it, being obsessed with it and praying that I would get to go with it. You know, because readings, it's like, oh, 
you're no longer in it or we're doing a workshop, but not with you. Um, So I was very, very fortunate to, to see it to fruition. But um, when you're working with heroes like Brooks, Angie, Beth, Chris, Michael Potts, like these legendary people, um, it's thrilling, especially because we loved each other so much. And that is rare to have a job, have a Broadway job, have the show be something that you truly love and have the cast be people that you truly love. It's rare to have that kind of camaraderie and, uh, you know, being a part of it every night was just a, a dream come true. It was hilarious. It was poignant. It was sad. It was um, uplifting and joyous. And I'm a big girl and people lifted me in the finale. What? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, when you come, come out. Yeah. That show was... First off, I would love to do a reading for Mrs. Green. Like if she were a real, I mean, I know there's tons of moms out there that are, are Mrs. Greens, but I remember despising her until that very last line about not wanting her kid to have a hard life. And then it threw a monkey wrench into it. And you're like, I can't hate her anymore. Yeah. And I remember, gosh, the end of act one broke me up. Like I did not see that coming at all. Um, and that's based on a true story. That's what inspired the entire piece. I was reading about um, an interview with with Jack Vertel, and he would, you know, and, and because I know he had such a hand, correct, and with 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 the plot. Yeah, yeah, he was a he was a part of it. Sure, it was it was just incredible. Um, can I ask too, like, why do you think the show closed so early? Because when I saw it, I th- I saw it three times, I believe. Um, the audiences were so receptive and so joyful and. Um, it just seemed like, I, I don't know, uh, what are your thoughts? Well, I think a few reasons. I think um, the marketing was really difficult for the show because nobody knew what it was. Mm-hmm. And um, there are so many things to it, like, oh, there's a group of husband celebrities. There's a town. There's a, a lesbian couple. You know, there were so many elements that it was hard to really narrow it down into 30 seconds sure. as to why somebody should come and buy a ticket. Um, so there was that. Uh, and you know what? Broadway's hard. It's all the tourist dollar. Mm-hmm. And um, if you can't get the tourists to come that is going to limit how long you have a job and um in a tourist market everybody's like oh my god have you seen wicked i saw the phantom it was i saw hotties tan it was incredible you know um so it's hard it's also broadway especially since hamilton if you're not making a ridiculous amount of money out the gate it's going to be a really hard time for you. And with prom, it pretty much came down to if we win the Tony, we will run. Mm -hmm. If we lose the Tony, we going to close. Yeah. So that's sort of what I think happened, but I will say the producing team, the co-producers, nobody thought 
for this show like I've like them like I've never seen that kind of dedication to a show before I think even despite its you know shorter run it's still a show that's just branded up up here and I think people will be talking about this for quite some time and you know I sadly I I don't think we're in a, a spot yet where the where the plot line will feel irrelevant for quite some time you know what I mean because it's still happening um, well, what's funny is that all of us New Yorkers were like, yeah, I hope this is relevant because, you know, but then after the Thanksgiving Day Parade, um, which was the first same-sex kiss on the parade, I tweeted about it and like every news company in America or whatever took my tweet and started talking about it and then every hate group in the world like came at me yeah. and other people in the show and uh that's when it was very much like oh yeah there's a lot of people that don't want miss emma to go to the prom yeah um so that made it all the more important to me um the whole idea of having an unruly heart and what that means and uh that being gay isn't doesn't define who I am, but it is just as important as my skin. Mm -hmm. It's a part of me. It's a part of my DNA. It's a part of my foundation. And um, we live in times where you still have to choose to be proud of that. Even before I, you know, went public with the podcast, I mean, there definitely were folks that didn't know that I practiced as a medium. And it's always nerve wracking, this idea of, because for me, it felt like coming out again. And, you know, I, I definitely say the same thing as, you know, growing up gay, like I didn't choose to, yeah, yes, I choose to practice as a medium, but this is part of who I am, what I've been enabled to do. And, you know, you can either ignore it and feel like you might go cuckoo from it, or you can use this to do good. Um, you know, channel your creativity and, and funnel it. And so there is always that moment of like, when you do share that I'm a medium, you never know, you never really know how people are going to react. Because again, we're going down to just like with somebody's sexuality, we're going down to somebody's religious, um, you know, religious um, ideals or, or what they, or, you know, what they subscribe in or like, well, I, you know, I, this, you know, um, you know, same thing as, you know, as being gay, you always hold your breath when you give that, you know, explanation. Absolutely. And well, I can always. imagine, you know, like, especially in your shoes, like, oh, you're a medium? Then what am I thinking right now? Oh. You know, like, just idiots. Oh, but um, I will say, my reading with you was so incredible and so beautiful. And, um, you know, I'm not a skeptic. But I'm very agnostic with... I was going to ask you about that, yeah. With everything spiritually or whatever, I'm like, I don't know what it is. I don't know if there's anything. There could be nothing. There could be everything. I don't know. I always say, too, go in cautious. You know what I mean? Go in with, go in with an open mind, an open heart. But I always say, do not come in gullible. Do not overshare. Because there are mediums. I've seen it that will go, I have somebody here who stopped breathing. Like, no shit, everyone stops breathing. That's how we die. You know what I mean? <laughs> and recently I watched one on TV and my husband's in the corner laughing right now. We were, we were watching this this one and um, it was a gallery reading where there's many people and um, the medium's like, um, 
can I talk to you? And she was like, um, I've, I've got somebody here, May, May. And the woman's like, I didn't know a May. She's like, oh, okay, well, she died in May. And I'm like, who? And the woman's like, no, I don't know anyone. I swear, like, we literally almost got to the point where she's like, oh, did you use the word May in a sentence earlier? Like, May I? I'm like, what is happening? Like, it was just, like, sheer awful guesswork. And so I always say, don't feed the medium. Don't tell us more than we need to know. Um, you know, it's tricky being a fan of, of so, like, everyone that I interview, I am a fan of their work. Or if I'm not, I will be. And it's tricky because I can't look up somebody's work to be like, what show did they do before this? Because with my luck, like an, an obituary will pop up or something like the weirdest article. And I can't know any of that going in because it takes away the authenticity. You know what I mean? Of the experience. Yeah. I don't want to yeah. know that. That's, that's part of my job. That's the fun of the job is like, yes, I can prepare with meditation and whatnot, but it's almost thrilling and freeing in a way to go, I can't come in prepared. Like I can come in prepared as like how I, like how I practice, but I'm going into the dark and there's something so freeing about that every day. You know, I walked into the reading, not knowing what to think or what to expect. And, um, it was really therapeutic and, uh, beautiful. And you have a real incredible gift and I'm glad that you're opening up that Thank gift you. to the universe. Cause it's, it is very therapeutic and helpful. Is there, I mean, and I guess going in, uh, I guess we can go into it now. Yours, yours was interesting because when we, when we, when you reached out to me, you reached out through Haley and you know, if you're, if you're listening at home, Haley was our, our second guest. Um, and long story short, Haley knows everyone. She literally knows every Broadway performer. Um, and, um, I think she's she, the Duchess of Broadway. She it's is. True. And she had recommended, you know, she, she, she had told you to, I guess, to, to get in touch. And, um, I remember when I, before, when I called you on the phone to set up a time, I was seeing a dead end symbol and I was so excited to see it because, um, as a medium, we, we create our own book of symbols. Um, so if, if I see an apple, that might mean, oh, you're a teacher versus somebody else if they see an apple and they grew up on a farm, an apple might mean, oh, are you rural? Like, did you grow up? So we all develop our own. So for me, I've learned through practice, um, I now, I, I have to tell them explicitly, I really like what this symbol was. Can you, for the future, give me this so I know this is what this means? And when I remember when I was speaking with you, I saw a dead end symbol which is now my symbol for um, adoption, uh, meaning that while we might know some of our adopted family, we might hit some dead ends, so to speak, in terms of we might not know all the answers. So I remember when I asked you, there's that pause on the phone. You're like, well, I am adopted. And I remember being so excited that the symbol, um, that I finally got it because, oh gosh, eight months ago, I was reading somebody and before they hopped on the call. I kept hearing, dad wants to speak, but my gut was going, no, dad is alive. And I'm like, I don't know what this means. And um, so he hops on the call and I'm like, I'm, I have to start with a question. I'm like, I'm really sorry, but I'm like, is your dad deceased? Because every time I say it, I keep hearing the family feud. Eh, eh. And he's like, it's interesting that you say that I'm adopted. So he's like, my biological father is deceased, but my adoptive father is still here. Um, but yours, it was just, it was so beautiful because sometimes, um, Adoption, uh, those that are, it can be confusing to do during a reading. Like I read somebody recently and um, I think she was trying to play test the psychic and she was 
withholding information. So again, I was like, I have your mom and your dad here. And she was like, oh, great. And she's like, I, I do want to let you know that, that I am adopted. I'm like, that's no problem. I, I was like, did you, um, how, how did she word it? She had mentioned that her, her adoptive parents were deceased, but her, her biological were alive. Long story short, she didn't tell me, she wasn't forthcoming about the fact that her adoptive parents were her grandparents, were her blood grandparents. So at one point, the cause of death that I got for her mom, I then heard grandma, and it was the exact same cause. And she was like, well, no, my grandmother didn't pass that way. So I left there so incredibly confused. I mean, I literally had to draw it out after she left to make sense of it. And I looked and I'm like, no wonder. I'm like, the grandmother, the mom and the grandmother were the exact same person. So when I was giving this cause of death, I mean, she was like, no, that doesn't make sense. Her grandmother that she was referring to was her great grandmother. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So it, it messed with me. So yours, when I when I saw that symbol, I was like, I'm going to go out on a limb here. But um, I guess, and I always like to ask, is there anything that you feel comfortable sharing from the reading about, about the experience? Well, all of it. I mean, one thing that really struck out is, and I'm very open about this, I struggle with depression, anxiety, but especially depression. And um, this year, my depression has been out the roof and um though i do get help for it you know um this year i went into a very 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 dark place and when right out of the blue uh, right right out of the gate you addressed it and you were like i i don't normally try to get this deep so quickly but your family you know they're they're so glad that you're still there and that you're doing, you know, that you're working through it where there were moments this year where I just, I was afraid of not being able to survive my own depression. Um, so that really just sort of like opened the gates for me. Um, and uh, it really humanized the whole experience and um, being able, you know, like uh, my grandmother committed suicide when I was young. She was not well, you know, it wasn't like she was having a bad day. You know, she really was not well. She was bedridden. And I always wanted, you know, I just always was like, how did she do this? Like, did she have help? Who helped her? And um, to be able to, to get that assurance that she didn't have help, that, you know, this was how she was able to get away with it. And um, there's never been any anger at her or anybody, really. She was in a lot of pain. And it's my belief that it's your choice you know, to free yourself from that pain in those situations. Um, but, you know, and also just like the, the interesting things about, you know, you mentioned, you know, she wasn't a nice woman and it's like, you're right. She was not yeah. a nice woman. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it was all very powerful and especially, I don't talk about this very much anymore, but, um, one of my best friends died uh, when he was about 30 and it was very random and very sudden. 
And um, when you were like, okay, did you have a friend in the business that, that, that passed that like went too soon that did this, that, you know, I'm just like, yeah. And if I start getting them over five, it means I missed someone who's really important. And then I, I sensed a male energy and that's when then I kept hearing in the biz, in the biz. It was like, I have to talk about this. Um, no, yours was, and, and I always say too, I mean, your energy was so open and clear and, um, I don't know. It was, I was just very grateful that I had the experience with you. Um, Jimmy. Aww. It was really nice. I, I left Thanks. there just, I don't know. Um, I've been very fortunate with, with all of the Broadway artists that I've been able to speak with. They've, they've been well, nothing we're but we're fortunate beautiful. too. We really are. That, that means a lot. When we were talking about comparing, I compare myself to mediums all the time and it's not healthy and it's something that I'm getting better at because, you know, you'll see mediums on TV that will get like a full name. And I'm like, how did they get that? I'm like, I, you know, sometimes I'll, <laughs> I'll get first names or I'll get initials. Um, and so for me, I think there's a real danger in going like, well, they did it this way because everyone's is different. But with the prom or I guess in any of your experience, I would love to talk about understudy, standby, going on for somebody else's track. Is there a danger, like, to compare yourself? I mean, you yeah. I mean, you went on. Just like, like everything in life, what I try to practice is compare and despair. Because, com you know, that's what it is. You compare yourself so you can feel despair. And um, now with prom, it was interesting because I was covering Brooks. And uh, Brooks Ashmanskis might be the funniest, smartest actor alive. And um, there, there are things that Brooks does that are just so Brooks that it's funny when Brooks does it. It is not funny when I do it. Um, but what Brooks did is he gave me the perfect blueprint on who that character was and how to perform that character. And when I understudy, I memorize the blueprint. I respect the blueprint. When I go on the first few times, I am doing the blueprint until something within me goes, okay, now, now do it your way. Or sure. like do the blueprint, but now we're going to put you into it. Um, and uh, I, <clears throat> I don't know, maybe for this, for the prom, there was no way to compare it. I didn't want to compare it because Brooks is Brooks. This is his role that he created. I'm me. And I'm really proud of the fact that it goes so well when I go on. You know, but comparing, just compare and despair, you know, um, I did have a hard time in hair when I would understudy and took over for Theo Stockman. Theo is lightning in a bottle. He is genius. And he is so, I don't know how to explain it. He is just so perfectly Theo Stockman that when I started going on for him, I was basically imitating him. And my stage manager had to come up and be like, Josh, don't try to be Theo. Just be you. Like, we don't want you to do Theo. We want you to do you. Mm -hmm. And um, 
that was freeing to me because there's a fear of, I have to be just like them. I have to sound like them. I have to imitate their every single move. Where part of what I think makes me hireable in this world of acting is that I am good at being myself. I'm weird. I'm quirky. I'm funny. And those are things nobody else, nobody else can be like me in my quirks, mm -hmm. just like I can't be like them. So if they want them, that's because they want them and their quirks. If they want me, me and my quirks. It, it's not personal. It is just, you know, I want that quirk or I want this one. Um, and so I've been able to take that into my work you know, it's it's harder in audition situations for me than it is in understudy situations. Because sure. I'll be like, oh, I see Fatty over there and he's funny. And oh, God, now there's that Fatty and he's brilliant. And I'm over here and I'm just like this. I wish I could be funny like that one. You know, it just it doesn't doesn't serve us. So I Thank practice you. compare and despair and letting it the hell go. I know I I've been a lot better about it too. And I, I have to keep reminding myself, you know, the universe values our authenticity and our bravery. And no matter what we believe, I feel like the universe will, you know, pays it forward when, when we are our most authentic self. And I will yeah. say, I mean, you, you brought up a great point. I mean, there were definitely things that Brooks did that I still remember. Like I remember when they mentioned like that they don't have a, that they don't have like a sax that they have a Kmart and he's like, okay, okay and you know he just kept saying okay and like how he had the audience laughing for like a minute just by saying the word okay but I will say I was fortunate where I saw both of you um I was there for a conference and I saw you as Barry and it was the most joyful I mean I I don't know to see you do Barry's going to prom was the most joyful experience and then you know, to see you, gosh, that twirl that, you know, that during the dance break and, um, your own choices. I mean, I love that the key was higher for you. Um, I know they raised it, correct? Yeah. Cause I have perfect pitch fun fact. So do you really, I do. <laughs> I had a hearing impairment growing up and I didn't realize that it was kind of like a rarity to have. And I remember sitting there and I'm like, Oh, that's a different key. I'm like, Oh, they raised it for, for, for Josh. So, um, no, I, they both were beautiful. And that's when I think I have to step back as a medium and go, okay, like, that's great. You can go to another medium and have an equally valid and beautiful experience. And like, we're all yeah. going to do it a little different. And, um, I guess a couple other things too. Um, do you find that it's harder as an artist to stay relevant with, like, would it be possible to stay relevant in 2021 without social media as an artist? Oh God. I mean, Yes, there are so many artists that don't have social media, but, you know, I, ugh, But did I they know. establish I, themselves before they needed it? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, or they're just lucky unicorns. Like, sure. um, uh, my, my love, my, my Jesse Mueller, she doesn't have any social media mm -hmm. and she never did. And that's just okay for her. Yeah. Whereas you go into a show now and the marketing team, it's like, what do you mean you don't have a TikTok? And it's like, I would rather bathe my mother 
than have a TikTok. And she's been dead for 70 years. You know, it's sure. like, and now this whole clubhouse thing, I just want to shoot myself. I can't, I can't. I know. One social media is one too many. And um, uh, I know I'm, I unfortunately, I do think it is important though. It is, you have to put yourself out there and um, you know, you love it or you hate it. I was talking with some alphabas about it and they're saying like how it's crazy how some of these alphabas are more underground alphabas or Glinda's because they were pre-social media and how, you know, they're like, oh, it's the older alphaba, you know, she's newer to, you know, Instagram or something like that versus somebody that's currently like, you know, we, I, I just had Hannah Corneau's episode and, you know, I mean, that show is a, you know, social media vehicle. I mean, gosh almighty, not, not that you, not that you abuse it, but I mean, naturally you have these fans that are so heavily social media that want to follow you. They want to learn all about your adventures. I mean, I think of Jessica Vosk, how we all kind of felt like we were backstage with Jessica because of her social media and wicked. Well, Jessica created an empire. Yes, she with, did. <clears throat> with her social media wicked the that whole company they're like you are not the star the show is the star congratulations at your alphabet you won't be in three months yeah. um so you are not allowed to post you are not allowed to do this you are not allowed to do that um because they want the show to be the star mm -hmm. and they i feel purposefully hire performers now that aren't necessarily established like a like a Stephanie Block was. Sure. You know, where they can get away with saying that to a lesser known performer that's being paid way less than the alphabets used to be paid because they're like, the star of the show is wicked. Much like Phantom is like, the star of the show is Phantom. the show. Yeah. The boat, um, the chandelier. Yeah. But at least Phantom lets you take pictures backstage. Whereas wicked, I think is just, they, they take it to a new level. Sure. But that's just me. I mean, I know I feel the pressure. I mean, with, with just starting the, I'm like, oh, it's interesting. Like, I'm, I, you know, like, I'm like, what time of day? I'm like Googling things that I never Googled before. I'm like, what time of day is the best time of day to do a post? And like, right? how much is too much? And it's funny, like, I noticed like, you know, some of the Broadway artists sometimes are like, well, I have to do this tomorrow because I already posted twice today. And that's a lot. And I'm like, there's rules. I'm like, what the frig? I'm like, I, I didn't, you know, there's, I, um, it's interesting. I see the, I see the drawbacks and I, I see the benefits of social media and I don't know. I only have one. I only have one platform with stage or medium. It's just Instagram. I, somebody was like, well, are you going to do Facebook? And I'm like, Nope. I'm like, that's a different beast right now. Very different audience. Very different right now. I'm just focusing here on Instagram. So yeah, just focus on Instagram, just Instagram, you know, oy, oy, oy. well, I want to talk to you also about, cause this is, I, I I'm obsessed with this, that you did this. We have to talk about bloody, bloody Jessica Fletcher. Like, where did yeah. you get? So first off, did you grow up watching the show or was this later in life? Oh, no, I absolutely did. I mean, you and I are close to the same age, I think, or maybe I am, you're younger. I'm uh, 33. Okay. So you're younger, but still in that same cusp of age where it was airing. Yeah. Um, Back in the day, there was like, what, four or five channels? Murder, She Wrote, for 12 years, was the show to watch on Sunday nights because there were no other shows to watch. Yeah. 
you know, and it, it was huge. It was, it was gigantic. So it was a huge part of my childhood. I love it. And then I was doing a workshop with Kevin Zach, um, who co-wrote it with me. Oh, one of the, you know, one of the people that co-wrote it with me and Kevin started joking around and saying like, what if we do a show called bloody, bloody Angela Lansbury? And I fell out of my chair <laughs> And I literally was like, okay, we're writing it. We're writing it. And I went to Jen Tepper, who was running 54 Below. And I said, hey, um, yeah, so my friend and I are writing a musical. Can we have a night at 54 and just do the music and a concert version? She was like, yeah, gave me a date. And I went to Kevin and I said, we have three months to write a musical. Wow. And... Um, literally like that's how it happened uh my uh, a very dear friend of mine i was over at her place and her husband is a composer keith varney and i started like just singing what i want the opening song to be as like you know like that's what happens in cabot cove well, you're poor you know, linda, really, like, poor linda. <laughs> yeah poor linda <laughs> and uh he went over to his piano and he started playing playing it and then I was like do you want to write the music and lyrics you have three months yeah. and he said yes and um, then Philip Teratula came on board and uh, of course after bloody bloody Angela Lansbury happened um, her bloody bloody lawyers contacted us and we're like you are not allowed to use her name <laughs> and so we said okay um <laughs> And uh, then it just sort of took off. We kept writing it. We kept workshopping it. And um, the last, we uh, raised a lot of money trying to get people to buy the show, to produce it. And we threw this really beautiful um, workshop of it. And um, we wined and dined all these people. And my mother was there. And my mother walked up. She's just, she's so not like me. She can just walk up and talk to people. I am not that way at all. Sure. And um, she walked up to these two people and said, hi, what brings you here? And they're like, well, we're producers and we're, you know, and she was like, my son did this, <laughs> like wrote the show. May I have your card? And sure enough, those are the people. It was Hal Luftig's office. It's Hal Luftig, uh, Sherry Wright. And Craig Hafner that uh, that optioned it, and um, it you know how funny is that? <laughs> so your mom, your mom intervened, and you my got... mom got us Broadway producers. <laughs> my mom is trying to be like a little momager right now for me, and like she'll she's very sweet. She'll share things, but like she's like, I just have a giveaway going right now, and she's like, Well, can you show me how to share the post? So I give her the link, and then what does she do? She shares this like ratchet ass screenshot of it that's all pixelated and shows who liked it. I'm like, you literally just took what I gave you and you're like, you know what? I'm not going to use it. I'm going to do it my way. But I'll be damned though when she started promoting it, like all oh, these people started coming over. So I'm like, all right, mom. I'm like, you've got, you know, she's got, she definitely has some like agency, uh, big agent tendencies. So um, do you have a favorite? Thank God that she's good at that because she... imagine if she was terrible and started going to nursing homes and being like, you can talk <laughs> to the dead. You know, imagine that. Like Moira, you want to talk to Irving? 
my son, you know, uh, thank goodness. Um, but you were going to say something. Do you have on. a favorite murder she wrote episode? Because I want to compare. I have one. I want to see what you what you say. Um, I don't really have one because I've I've had to go back and watch them all. And to be honest, it's sort of a dumb show. Like, it's brilliant, but it's also just like, they didn't really have much competition. Sure. You know? Um, so I like all of the guest appearances. I like things about the show. I like that she is like 7,000 nieces and nephews. Yes. They're um, always like, Aunt Jess, Aunt Jess. And then there's another one that always gets implicated in the murder and Aunt Jess has to free them. Yeah. Um, or like when Aunt Jess would go in disguise, she would disguise herself. As- do, um, do you remember the one where she has the spiky red hair and she's like, she's got the cigarette and the, the high-waisted jeans that are like up here and she's like, oggy and she's smoking. Um, yeah. It, it just... I think my favorite is the two-part episode with, remember, with Eudora McVeigh, who, like, poisons her, or they think it's her. Um, the, the guest appearances are, I mean, gosh, Rue McClanahan. Um, I love the one with, um, was it Adrian Barbeau, when, when JB gets yeah. locked up in jail? Um, they would also repeat their guest stars, like yes. Sandy Duncan, or not, I it, just as an example, would be like, oh, I'm a lawyer in this episode and then like i'm a gardener in this episode you same know? with lorna luft lorna luft was like on three or two different episodes as different people and yeah know, it's it's a and i think my favorite is that like there are time where I, times where i'm just like was angela lansbury oops just like bored you know was angela lansbury just like i need something to do and i'm gonna do this show and then like just the the like the self promotion. She's like, you know, I know you all know me from musical theater. So today I'm not only going to be JB, but I'm going to be my British cousin who sings in a vaudeville circuit. You know what? I mean? And I'm going to show yeah. you my British accent and just. Well, she also she had rules. Uh, there was never they were never allowed to do a car chase scene. Yes, I saw that. Like doing them. Yeah. Um. And then, of course, as the seasons went on, <clears throat> an episode would start with her being like, oh, I'm J.B. Fletcher. I remember this time when my dear friend solved a case in London. And then the whole episode <laughs> would be without Angela Lansbury, just some random guest star solving a murder somewhere. Because then she was, by that point, she was making her personal moves tape. Remember that? Where she's like in the tub massaging her legs? Have you, yeah. I mean, she, you know, where she, uh, what she called that massage. And, um, I mean, I have searched high and low for that for that VHS with the poster on eBay, and until it comes down in price, it's it's a no go for me. But um, <laughs> now you need to work on a Facts of Life one for me, please, because Facts of Life is my is my jam. Done. Um, I watch that like a current show. So you take fa- the good, you take the bad, you take them all. This the is money, Garrett. Uh. Facts of Life. I love Mindy Cohen. <laughs> She's the best. Um, last question I have for you. Tell us a little bit about, about your podcast, about Josh Swallow's Broadway. Oh, it's fun. It's vulgar. It it's, is um, fun and vulgar. It's basically, uh, you know, I have a lot of really lovely, funny, funny friends, and um, I like to talk to them. I like to find out about their life. Um as we're in season two now, I'm talking to more people that I don't know, which has been very interesting. Um, but I like I like talking about the reality of the business. Mm-hmm. 
and also just the real, you know, our lives. Our lives are interesting and dreadful enough that it's entertaining. Yeah. Um, so that's sort of where Josh Swallows Broadway comes in. And um, we've had a lot of fun. I love surprising our guests. Um, I did an episode featuring the class of 2020 as they didn't really, they graduated into a pandemic rather than like, oh, I'm going to go audition. Yeah. Um, and so I surprised them all with uh, Kristen Chenoweth to like, you know, just lift them up and give them some love and advice. And I love doing that stuff or like the Christian Borel episode. This is when we were still at uh, the recording studio so I could do this shit, but um, his get ready song for like going to work or getting ready to go on stage is that song from Moana that like, I am here in the ground and I know when oh, I'm and I know here I go. <laughs> and so I found a Moana impersonator to dress up like Moana and hide in a closet until I could lead him to that point of the interview. And then I had Moana pop out of the closet and serenade him. <laughs> And, you know, it's just fun and silly and super vulgar. And I hope you can get it wherever you get your podcast. Yes, I will put the link up. It's it's joyful. I, I, I took a day trip to Rochester, which is about an hour and a half away, if, if that. And I listened to a couple there and back and um, just, just great. So, um, and now it's time for some last minute questions. If you were stuck as a ghost in a theater for all of eternity and could only watch the same musical over and over, what would you pick? Oh, that would be dreadful. That would be so <laughs> dreadful. Um, a short one, Joseph. Joseph. Oh. 90 minutes, no intermission, short. Do you have a particular cast, though, at least? Um, I need a fierce narrator. Yes. And um, some some fierce brothers of all shapes and sizes and Perfect. colors. Um, Maybe the newest version that they did with Jessica Vosk and Eden and... Um, yeah, I can handle that. Um, as long as it's short. Perfect. A short music. You know, I would not want to see anything over and over again. That's just not who I am. Fair and enough. Then I start seeing like the holes in it. Yeah. Like I was a huge rant head until the 14th time I saw it. What did you start and, to notice? Well, what did I start to notice? I was like, wait a minute. Roger's trying to get sober. He's really depressed about his girlfriend killing himself and giving him AIDS. Yeah. And Mimi just broke into his apartment with heroin <laughs> and is saying, let's go party. And he says, how dare you break into my home with heroin? Get out. <laughs> and he's the asshole. I know. No day but today. Like, and he's the jerk. Stuff like that, where I was like, wait a minute. And also I was like, wait a minute. Everybody has to pay rent. Everybody does. It sucks. I'm with you. It's terrible. But Benny somehow got it together to buy a building. And he's the asshole for wanting you to pay to live there. <laughs> Yeah, they definitely like, this, vilify this him. Add up. They definitely vilify Benny for literally just being a landlord. For being a, for having a job, <laughs> for having a job that each and every one of us would kill to have. Who? Uh, yeah, I'll own a building in New York, and yes, you're gonna pay to live there. 
These are, this is why I'm so grateful that, that you're here. These are the things that I will forever think about now when I, when I watch, when I watch Rent. Um, is there a character? I mean, it's a good thing I wasn't on the team because I'd be like, Jonathan, <laughs> she's trying to get a guy who's trying to get sober from heroin. Like, no, 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 no. Anyway. I did the show in college and there were definitely spots where you're like, you know, you, you do start to. Angel killed a dog. Yeah, I know, and Angel we just gloss over. Murdered we, you know, we dog. laugh because we're like, "Oh, there's a drum solo coming up, so let's forget about that." I'm like, "No," <laughs> and not like a mean dog, not a dog that like killed a nun, a good dog, a good dog, and she threw it off of a building. Like, <laughs> I know. and these are our heroes. <laughs> I know. I know. Anyway, anyway. Today well, <laughs> for you, tomorrow for murdering a dog. Maybe J.B. Fletcher could come in and solve some of those murders from a... Uh... Yeah, who murdered the fucking dog? <laughs> Sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear. You're but... fine. Um, I mean, it... where was PETA when Rent happened? Where was what? PETA. Oh, I know, seriously. They were rather quiet. <laughs> um, anyway. Is there a character that you played that you think would benefit most from a medium? Sorry, I'm going back in my mind of all the characters I've played. <laughs> I'm going through the movie in my mind of my career, my long, beautiful career. Um, yeah, Margaret Mead and hair. I think Margaret would have loved to have a medium. And I think I feel like anyone in hair would have been so receptive to it for the time. You know what I mean? Oh, like absolutely. so open to having a reading and energy and you know energy work and. Good choice. Yeah. I mean, there are every character I played, I think, needs some damn energy work, but um, I don't know who would benefit from it the most. Yeah. I think Barry actually could benefit from one too in, in the prom. I think Barry could benefit some, you know, could, could use some advice. Yeah. Um, sure. Just that external validation. And then finally, if you could go back and originate a character that was kind of like a star making turn for somebody on Broadway, if you could take their job from them. Um, oh, God, that's so mean. But probably Barry Glickman. If Brooks didn't exist, I would want to play it. There you I go. would have wanted to originate it. It's a good part. And you were beautiful in it. So thanks, um, babe. Well, I want to thank you so much for, for being my guest today. And I will put up your, your information. I will put up the podcast link so everyone can go check out Josh Swallow's Broadway. Um, it is the most they're the most hysterical episodes. Like you will not want them to end. So thank you again for coming. And um, I hope you're well. And next time I am in New York and it's safe to meet, I will be there and I won't have to hug you through the screen. I will bear hug you in person and it will be I safe. I can't wait. And lovely. I can't wait. Thank awesome. you again. Be well. And um, love you. I love you. And I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Hi, everyone. I want to thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed. If you want to learn more about Stage Door Medium, please feel free to give me a follow at Stage Door Medium on Instagram, stagedoormedium.com, and on YouTube, Stage Door Medium as well. I hope you're well, and we'll see you soon.